why don't we like it when people talk about hell? Got to be honest, when I saw the readings today, or in preparation for the readings today, I, I thought to myself, well, geez, I just spent the past two weekends talking about the cross and suffering, an unpopular topic, and, and now we got to preach about hell. So it's been quite the challenging month in the liturgical year. But I've noticed that for some reason, a majority of people get really uncomfortable when this topic gets brought up. But why is that? Why do we dislike this topic so much? I think it may be for a number of reasons. Probably depends on the person. But in my experience, um, maybe it just, first of all, it's just a frightening idea. A lot of times, though, um, people feel very guilty whenever we talk about hell. And no one likes to feel guilty, and so um, it just, it's just not an exciting topic. Um, sometimes people feel even worse. They just feel ashamed. They're just totally unworthy. Um, sometimes they feel like the tone is just harsh. And we don't, our society, our favorite virtue is niceness. And so we, we don't like anything that seems harsh. And so we can't, it's just hard for us to handle something that's just so, that just seems too harsh. Um, really though, I think for a lot of people, whenever the topic of hell comes up, depending on who talks about it, they just seem, they, uh, very often people just feel unloved. They feel just unworthy and unloved when this topic comes up. And so uh, no one likes that feeling. And so for, for a number of reasons, there may be others, but this topic in recent years, at least during my lifetime, um, seems to be one that people don't like too much. We either don't bring it up, or if we do bring it up, we, we overcompensate and talk about God's mercy. Um, or, uh, and then some people even go on to say that, you know, it's, it's more metaphorical, that doesn't really, doesn't really exist. But the problem with all that is that Jesus brings it up a lot. In fact, Jesus talks about hell more than any of the other New Testament writers combined. So St. Paul, St. John, St. Peter, St. James, all of them don't even come close combined to bringing it up as many times as Jesus does. So what does that mean? Is, is God trying to shame us? Is God trying to kick us while we're down? Is God trying to scare us into loving him? What's this all about? Well, I, I believe that Jesus does not bring this up to shame us, but rather he brings it up because he loves us. Which is ironic because many people feel very unloved when this topic comes up. But it's precisely because God loves us so much that he brings up this difficult topic. In today's gospel, he talks about Gehenna, the fires of Gehenna. He talks about this unquenchable fire where the worm does not die. And this, um, this quote is actually a reference to the prophet Isaiah. In the very last chapter of Isaiah, chapter 66 the greatest prophet of the Old Testament um, talks about how those that uh, go against God 
will go to where there, the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. So he talks about this, this, this eternal corruption where the worm doesn't die and where the fire is not quenched, this eternal uh, pain. And so it's a very frightening image that the prophet Isaiah brings up. And Jesus takes this very seriously and often brings up Gehenna or Sheol throughout the New Testament. Today's one of those options, one of those times. But maybe to put it into perspective, why would Jesus keep bringing up something that's so difficult for us? Maybe you've been in a situation before where a family member or maybe someone you love, uh, maybe a close friend, is doing something destructive with their life. They're headed down a path that seems to be of no return. They're spiraling downward, and they're making terrible decisions. This is typically the case whenever someone is, is heavily involved in, in alcohol or, or uh, heavy drugs. And it, it's a terrible situation because you love this person, and, and you've already done what you could to help. Maybe you've helped them financially. Maybe you've offered them advice. Maybe you've picked them up when they're down, and you've forgiven them maybe a few times, and and at this point now, it's just, it's just too far. So what happens a lot of times when this, when, when this unfortunate situation is experienced, what happens is typically a group of people that really love this person get together and they do what's called an intervention. And in that intervention, they, you know, they have to prepare for themselves. They have to pray about it. They have to plan. They have to talk about who's going to say what. They have to emotionally prepare themselves. They have to cancel their schedule because this could last no telling how long. And they, and they kind of catch the person off guard, and they approach this person with great love, and they tell them, listen, if something doesn't change, you will destroy your life and the lives you love. But I want you to put yourself in the, in the person's shoes of who's being intervened upon. Maybe you have been that person. Immediately, you feel shocked. You feel betrayed. You're caught off guard. You, you, you're defensive. You, you, you're angry that they would even, you know, accuse you of such a thing. And you feel very unworthy and unloved, and, and you almost just want to despair uh, with great anger. But the, the reality is that these people that approached the one to be intervened are not trying to shame them, and they're not trying to fuss at them, and they're not trying to make them embarrassed. But they've done this because they love them. Because they love them so much that they don't want them to continue on the path of self-destruction. They, they do this in great love, and, and it's a difficult conversation for them as well, but, but they do it with great courage because they love them. And as difficult as this example might be, especially if it hits close to home, it's similar to the topic of hell for Jesus. He knows that this topic is one that provokes defensiveness in us. It provokes an anger for the one who brings it up. It, it provokes some type of, we, we creatively justify other options that, you know, surely, you know, God is more loving than that. And, and we, we get upset and, and, and all 
frantic, but Jesus doesn't bring it up to shame us. He brings it up because he loves us. And he knows the power of sin in our lives, and he knows how self-destructive sin can be, even sins that are not as clearly destructive as, you know, heavy drugs. But all sin, all sin is destructive, and all sin leads down to a path of more and more selfishness and greater separation from God. And if we don't uh, obsess about the process of conversion and repentance, if we don't continually turn back to the Lord because we keep messing up, well, we will end up on a spiraling downward path. And Jesus brings us up not to scare us, not to shame us, but because he loves us. So Jesus knows that, that we just have this proclivity to sin and we just can't seem to stop. And, and, and even after we've been forgiven, we still sin some more. And so Jesus warns us multiple times in the gospel, like he does today, but he also realizes that even with great warning, we're still probably going to end up sinning because that's just how we are. Even me, even you, even church people, we keep sinning. So what does Jesus do? He, God becomes man to save us. God becomes man to be with us and to take the penalty of sin upon himself. And he dies a gruesome, terrible, torturous death so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. He dies a crazy death and rises three days later. And now we call him a savior. And sometimes because we hear that word so often, we forget what that actually means. If God is our savior, he saved us from something. What did he save us from? Eternal separation from God. He saved us from the fires of hell, from the unquenchable fire where the worm does not die, as the prophet Isaiah tells us. If hell doesn't exist, then Jesus is not a savior. It's important for us to embrace that reality in our life. The gospel is good news because hell is bad. And there is something good for us because of where we were headed without Jesus. But the good news of the gospel is that we don't have to go there, that we're not automatically headed down to the path of destruction. Instead, we have an invitation into something far greater. The gospel is not just about living your best version of yourself. The gospel is being saved from eternal separation from God. Praise be Jesus that God is so good that he warned us, he saved us, and he continues to draw us to him so that we don't choose anything else. Because even though he's done so much for us, the reality is we can still choose hell by choosing sin. We can still choose hell by choosing sin. It's not Jesus that banishes us away from him. It's us who choose to turn away from God because we believe the lie that there's something better in sin. It's a great lie. And God never gives up on us. He never, ever, ever gives up on us. No matter how terrible our sin is and no matter how many times we've been forgiven and yet still sin, God doesn't give up on us. 
We're the ones that give up on him. We give up on asking for his mercy. We give up on the, the humble experience of repentance. We get tired of repenting. We get discouraged and we feel like we'll just never, you know, get any better. But that's a lie. It's a spiraling downward path to hell. Instead, God loves us so much. So much that we can't even fathom. So much that he would warn us that hell is real and it's possible. So much that he would die to save us. And so much that he would give us these sacraments to draw us closer to him every time that we mess up. And so, what I want us to do today is, with great humility, examine our conscience. I understand you're a good person. I've heard it. I get that. But I want us all to really be honest on the inside. What's keeping us away from God? What's keeping us away from intimacy with God? What's keeping us away from holiness? What's keeping us away from being a witness of Christian faithfulness? We all have different stories. And I don't ask you this question to shame you. I don't ask you this question to make you feel unworthy in this place. I ask you this question so that now, together, we, all of us, have something tangible to give to God. Something specific to place on this altar in great humility. Lord, we are sinners. Lord, all of us, none of us are immune to it. We just can't help but sin. But Lord, we trust with so much love, with so much confidence, we know that you don't give up on us. And the reason we come to church every single week is so that we can lay this down on the altar. The reason we have the sacrament of confession is so that we can tangibly be set free from those major sins. God doesn't give up on us. But he does know that we can still choose hell by choosing sin. And so instead, we come every week to choose Jesus instead. To lay it at this altar so that he can offer it all up to the Father for our salvation. Because he truly is our Savior. Amen.